Hey church, happy Sunday. Good to be back with you guys. My name is Alex. I'm the director of discipleship here at Lift Church. And today we are in the final, the fifth and final part of gospel leadership. Uh, excited to be in this. And as Brooke said, we're going to be right into Easter starting on Friday and of course next weekend. So looking forward to, uh, to this final week of gospel leadership. Hope that this has been an impactful series for you. We will kind of finish it officially on Thursday night in the webcast as well. But hopefully this has helped you see how the gospel revolutionizes this idea of who we are as leaders and what, what leadership in the church is and looks like and how the Lord empowers that. So, uh, yeah, why don't we pray and then we'll, we'll jump into the word here for this, uh, this final week. Jesus, we thank you for this time of worship that we've been able to have. Lord, I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people, that you are a God who delights in our presence Lord, I pray that as we open up your word today, you would remind us of the life, the joy, the purpose that you bring through it. God, I pray that wherever we are tuning in today, you would remind us that we are one family, one body. And Lord, I pray that your presence would bring a sense of awe and wonder. God, I pray that we would not come to this time today to try to figure everything out about who you are but rather we would come in humility and say, Jesus, what do you say today? And Lord, as we do that, may there be a sense of, of worship. May there be a, a response of praise as we realize that you are the God, as Brooke said earlier, who lifts our head. We thank you for that promise. Thank you for the promise that your word is alive and it is active. I pray that you would give us hearts to receive and hear what it is you want to say today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I haven't said that in over a year and been able to hear you guys say it back. So hopefully wherever you are, you just said it out loud back. Uh, amen, amen. So as I said, this is the final week of our gospel leadership series. Quick, really quick recap so we understand kind of where we're going today. So two weeks ago, we started to talk about leading myself in the family. And this is kind of what we call N leadership. N is me, okay? N is, is self-leadership. And we talked that week about how we can grow as leaders, grow particularly in the three C's of leadership, in our commitment, our character, and our competence. But if N is, is me, then last week, Robin brought an amazing word about leading others in the family, steering the family towards truth and towards godliness, leading others one degree of separation away. We call this N, me, plus one. One degree of separation. I can have direct influence as I lead others in the family. Quick example, if you are a simple church leader and you're discipling those in your simple church to love Jesus more, that's one example of N plus one leadership, steering towards truth. Now today, to wrap up this series, we're going to take that one step further, and we're going to talk about leading others to lead others in the family. And we call this N plus two leadership. So my influence N isn't only direct or one degree of separation away, but now it starts to multiply. It can be experienced or felt at least two degrees of separation away and maybe even more from me. 
And so that verse, those two verses that we heard Aiden read at the beginning, let me, let me read it again as kind of a, a bit of a framing thought for our time in God's word today. Like last week, we're going to kind of jump around the letter from Paul to Timothy and even into Ephesians a bit. But listen to 2 Timothy 2, 1-2 again. This is kind of the heart or a little glimpse of N plus 2 leadership. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me, N, in the presence of many witnesses, Commit to faithful men, N plus one, who will be able to teach others also, N plus two. So another quick example, if, if I was to disciple a simple church apprentice and raise them up and send them out to start a new simple church family, and that person was to then raise up an apprentice, that, would be, that, that, that leadership influence would be felt two degrees of separation away from me, even though I'm not directly discipling or leading that person. I might not even know them. That's one example of N plus two leadership. So today we're talking about how gospel leaders don't just lead themselves, don't just only steer others towards truth, which they do, but how gospel leaders raise new leaders. Gospel leaders raise new leaders. One of the challenges here that we're going to kind of unpack today is that we can at times tend to think of leadership only as N plus one. So, for example, when we talk about discipleship, let's let's put our definition of discipleship up. We talk about discipleship being glorifying God by following and being transformed by Jesus while inviting, modeling, training and empowering others to do the same. Now, here's an example. When we talk about that definition of discipleship, sometimes we can have a tendency to think of leadership only as me doing the inviting, modeling, training, and empowering others to follow Jesus and forget that, that and do the same, the repeat part of it. So to use a parenting analogy, because we've been kind of using this throughout the series where we see ourselves as spiritual parents as leaders. So to use a parenting analogy, it would, it would kind of be like thinking that the only goal of, of parenting is to raise mature adults while forgetting that part of being a mature adult is the ability for that person to then be able to raise a child themselves. It's, it's, it's part of maturity. In a similar way, the repeat the process, the teach others also, is part of maturity in Jesus. And so I think if we can see this kind of tendency or this common leadership myth, if you will, we can start to unpack really how the gospel transforms it. A great myth of leadership then is that it's only about N plus one. That leadership is only a sense of gathering lots of people to me for me to have a direct influence over them. And when we kind of fall into that thinking, then we can start to think that the best leaders are the best gatherers or the most outspoken people or the most charismatic, the the people that can best gather people to themselves. But the gospel changes how we think of our influence as leaders, calls us to N plus two leadership, to be, to be someone who leads others to lead others. Or, as we often say, to disciple others who then can disciple others. 
The circle of life, the process continues. The joy of following Jesus continues many degrees of separation away from me as the original leader in that situation. So today I want us to consider how this final call of the gospel to raise new leaders, I want us to consider how it's an act of faith in God. How it's an act of faith in God to do something for his glory and something beyond you. An act of faith to do something for God's glory and something that's even beyond you. So let's think about this for a second, how how it might be an act of faith. I want you to think about some people in your life to this point who who have had a bit of a legacy impact in your life, whose whose legacy has impacted you in some way. Just think about a couple names for a second. Now, the gospel is going to transform the end goal of leadership into what really is a beautiful legacy, but it's, it's kind of like a no-name legacy. In other words, N plus two leadership results in an impact that's going to outlast your life. As you invite, model, train, empower others to lead and do the same, you will play a role in many people coming to know Jesus, many people that you will never know and who will likely never know you or know your name. Think about how special that is, how incredibly special that is. Your life matters for more than just you and more than beyond just this time on earth, but it can have an impact well beyond you. Church, think about that. That's worship. It's giving something for God's glory, giving something temporary for an eternal so that. What makes gospel leadership different from other kinds of leadership is that it carries a legacy, but without a name attached to it in in almost every case. Because what's remembered isn't necessarily someone's name or the achievements of a fill-in-the-blank person, but what's remembered, what's experienced down the line is actually a love for Jesus and a heart to teach others how to love him and one that keeps on going. It's about God's glory. It's about Jesus and not about us. It's a beautiful kind of call, a legacy, that, a legacy that will outlast your life, but a legacy that isn't actually about you. This means that our leadership in the church is an act of faith in God to do something beyond ourselves, something bigger than us, for his glory, for his name, and not ours. Now, maybe you're tuning in today, you've been working through this series with us, And you're kind of thinking like, but I don't think of myself as a leader yet, or I don't think of myself as an effective leader. Can you come and see the invitation today, church, the invitation of the gospel for the Lord to work through you? What does it take to raise new leaders? I want to unpack three things, I think, today. Faith to activate, faith to empower, and faith to persevere. Faith to activate, to empower, and to persevere. So let's jump right in here, faith to activate. That common leadership myth I pointed out a minute ago of gather of just gathering people to me. It's a fair it's a fair picture because in many other realms of life that that's kind of our picture of leadership or our thought of what it means to lead people. But it's only about having a direct influence, one degree. So for example, maybe maybe I Maybe you lead or teach five people 
about Jesus. And then it kind of grows to 10 and then 50. And all of a sudden you have 100 people. Many people would consider that a fruitful leader. But the the gospel takes it a step further and actually changes the end goal. You're not to disciple 100 people. You can't disciple 100 people. You can maybe four or five. It changes the end goal. It's no wonder that sometimes we, and I'm with you, we can feel overwhelmed by the thought of, you know, the the thought of this, this call to see everyone made fully alive in the hope of Jesus. Because if we aren't thinking N plus two, maybe what we hear is, I need to disciple more and more N plus one people. That's a lot. Church, Jesus had a pretty small circle of main people he discipled. It was only about, you know, if Jesus discipled 12, I'll be lucky to do disciple three or four. Sometimes we might think that, you know, to grow in leadership means I have to gather more and more people, but that's just N plus one, but really big. Instead, N plus two, raising new leaders who raise leaders is a totally different game. While the N plus one leader can rally people to them, the gospel leader or the N plus two leader doesn't so much gather as they do mobilize. To put it another way, N plus two leaders activate instead of just add. They activate the capacity of those around them. To help those that they are leading see that they themselves can be leaders and they help to them discover that and activate it within them. And so the N plus two leaders influence is really substantial because it can be accelerated beyond their own direct teaching or personal abilities or even network of people. They activate those they're leading to reach and impact their own circles of influence. How do we do this? How do we activate as leaders? How do we activate others to lead? A couple of thoughts. First, we need to see everyone. We need to see everyone. Listen again to this, this couple of verses we've read a few times now from Ephesians 4. Paul talks about the church and it says this in Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. And he himself, God, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. In other words, in God's beautiful plan, he saw fit to mobilize the entire body, the entire family of God to join him in his work here on earth. So we say everyone sent to multiply everything. The Holy Spirit saw fit to mobilize the entire church. And so N plus two leaders in faith see that and have a deep conviction that all believers, all, all believers in Jesus are included and equal participants in God's great mission. We talk about it a lot. In the past, you know, even like in the Old Testament, joining God in this mission, it, it was restricted to a few people. At times they were called priests. And in the Old Testament, the priesthood was restricted to only a very few people, meaning only select number of people could minister on God's behalf. But now the gospel is news that we no longer need a priest to be a mediator between us and God because Jesus has come as our ultimate high priest, our ultimate mediator. Therefore, Everyone who is in Jesus, who believes in Christ, now has direct access, relationship to creator God and can be full participants in his mission. We have to see everyone and understand that because Jesus is our mediator, we, all of us, regardless of first impressions, personality types, 
social inadequacies. We can see everyone. You can see everyone in your simple church as a new leader to raise up. Is that how you, is that how you see your simple church family now? Do you see everyone in your family as someone who can partner with Jesus and what he's doing, someone who can lead others to lead others. To activate others to lead, we first need to hold to this firm, beautiful conviction that because of Jesus, everyone and anyone can be raised as a new leader. Secondly, we, we, we need to point to Jesus. We need to point to Jesus. So in order to activate others to lead, we need to understand that those we are leading they're not so much going to see Jesus through us, but rather they will see Jesus from standing beside us. To put it another way, we need to point people to Jesus directly, constantly saying to those that we're discipling, you don't need to go through me to get to, to the Lord. I'll show you how to see and follow Jesus directly. I want you to have a personal, intimate love for Christ not just kind of vicariously through me. In other words, the N plus two leader doesn't hold the keys for other people to know Jesus. Instead, they help activate that for them. I want you to have a deep, life-giving relationship with Jesus directly, not through me. This is the N plus two leader's heart for their disciples. Listen to Paul's reminder to Timothy, whom he calls his spiritual son, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. Listen to these beautiful words. He says this, Paul says this, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you and you know that from infancy you've known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you hear it? Timothy, you know God's word. You have access to him. You have access to God himself. You know him personally, so you can be equipped for every good word. Do you hear it? Hold on to it. Know him. And so this call starts to shift the way we view our leadership, the way we understand discipleship. For example, you start to think differently about the way you lead your simple church. Rather than just being a leader who tells everyone what God's word says, you start to develop a heart to teach them how to understand what God's word says, that they can teach others. You start to have a heart for those in your simple church that you want them to hear and discern God's word personally, not just hearing it through you. We activate others to lead by continually pointing them to Jesus directly from standing beside them. And finally, number three, the faith to active, activate by identifying gold. Identify gold. 2 Timothy 1, 5 to 7. Paul says, I recall your, Timothy, your sincere faith. Listen to the legacy now. That first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced is in you also. Hear that legacy is beautiful. Therefore, verse six, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands, on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. 
Why does Paul say that to Timothy? Why does he, why does he remind him of this? Well, because as, leader, as leaders, we need to remind others of what's in them and or help them identify the gold that that's there that maybe they don't quite see yet. Identifying gold requires sometimes digging past what seems ordinary or even messy. And so someone you're leading, they might think that they're not capable or they're too weak or they're too sinful. But you as the leader have the opportunity to continually remind them that our God is one whose power is made perfect in our weakness. And our God is one who redeems any and all sin. In other words, you help them see beyond themselves to the God who is working in them. In other words, it's not just gold within yourself, but you say there is gold in you because Jesus can and is working in your life and you help bring a perspective that can see that even when they can't. This is an act of faith. The Bible says that faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the confidence of what we do not yet see, even if it's not tangible yet. So gospel leaders don't just describe what's visible, but they see people as Jesus does, and they encourage them to see the gold that's there that he's blessed them with that maybe they aren't even aware of yet. I'll never forget grade, I think it was the end of grade 11, I was going into grade 12, and someone said to me, uh, and I was a very, I was a f- very quiet, not very outspoken uh, person still, obviously, but someone said to me, you know, when you speak, people listen. And I did not see that or believe it. Um, I still, you know, I wasn't super articulate, still don't feel like I am, have a kind of a weird lisp at times, kind of mumble, not super confident, especially back then, any sort of public speaking, I talked way too fast. You could tell I was super nervous. And this person said to me, when you speak, people listen. I didn't see it, but I clung to it, and I still cling to it ever since. I've clung to it ever since. Identifying unseen gold in others is powerful. In, the, in gospel leadership, it's powerful. It carries weight, and here's why. Because you are allowing those that you're leading to hear what God wants to say to them through you. It's an act of faith. As a leader, constantly praying, Jesus, help me see people the way you do. Those that you've entrusted me with, help me see them the way that you do. Help me identify that which is in them, the the gift that maybe is just a, a burning coal that isn't a flame yet. Help me speak life to that for them. So who needs to hear from you this week? Who needs to hear from you this week that there is Jesus gold within them? Gospel leaders, we we raise new leaders by activating within them a sense of faith and confidence, not in themselves, but a sense of faith and confidence in the Lord who works in our weakness and redeems our sin. Faith to activate. Okay, how else do we raise new leaders? Secondly, the faith to empower. To empower someone is to literally, literally means to put power in, to give or to put power into someone else. Gospel leaders give others power to go and lead, and then the, the leader walks beside them as they do. So how do we do that? First thought here is, number one, is to share the reins. Share the reins. 1 Timothy 1 verse 3 
Uh, I love this this little instruction, this command from Paul to Timothy. He says to him, as I urged you when when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you, Timothy, may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine. Doctrine goes back to what Robin talked about last week, steering the family towards truth. There were, there were certainly times when this was Paul's role, and he did it a lot, right? But, but there are also times when it was time for his disciple to do it. And so here's an example of one. Timothy, stay there, root there. Why? It's time for you to lead. It's time for you to steer the family, the church in Ephesus, towards truth. This is part of empowerment. Saying to those that we are raising up, okay, in this situation or for this season or in this area, it's your turn to lead. I want you to have that discipleship conversation. And then we'll come back and we'll debrief, we'll chat about it. I want you to lead this part of huddle or I want you to answer that question. I'm rooting for you. I'm here You you got this. Spread your wings. I want you to start to lead. Now, of course, the three C's, commitment, character, and competence, can really help us calibrate here. So, for example, that which you're empowering someone to do should be appropriate to their level of commitment, their love of, of the church as their people, their character, their pursuit of Jesus, and also their competence, We'll talk about failing forward in a second, but we we don't want people to just be floundering because they're not actually equipped for the thing we're empowering them to do. But there are times, part, part of raising new leaders is having this faith to empower. You go lead. Timothy, it's time for you to stay to instruct those in good doctrine. And I think a really important part of this call to the disciple is to continually think about other people and not only themselves. This is what you're empowering them to spread their wings in. Timothy, root here. Did you notice what he says? Root here. Why? So that you, as a leader, can steer others towards truth. In other words, gospel leaders empower those that they are leading to go and do or to take chances. Why? For others to serve others, to lead others, to bring others closer to Jesus. So part of your role as a gospel leader is to help them see that a significant part of leadership is taking the focus continually off of myself, taking me out of center stage of the play and putting the focus on loving God and loving others. Have you been holding on to some aspect of leading especially in the way of serving others, that you can empower someone else to share the reins and to go try. Timothy, it's time for you to to root here to take on this leadership role. Share the reins. Okay, number two, how else faith to empower? Lay the net of grace or lay a net of grace. Failing forward is okay and expected because leadership is difficult. And finding gold requires a lot of chipping away and digging out. Often we learn best when we fail. As leaders, then, we can create, try to create a safe place to go for others to go and try and even fall. In other words, in, in, in other areas of leadership, you know, failing forward is encouraged, but it's really about innovating, right? Like, oh, yeah, we're going to learn more from what we fail. And that's true in gospel leadership. But more importantly... This is where we discover the strength of Jesus in our weakness. 
Gospel leadership brings so many God-sized gaps into our lives. Opportunities, moments, things where we alone can't do it or we shouldn't be able to do it. And yet it's right there in that God-sized gap where we are going to find we're going to fail, that we discover that Jesus's power is made perfect in our weakness right there. It's when we encourage those to step into that gap in faith, knowing that it's there that the Lord's strength will carry us and his power will be made perfect there. And so in other words, as we look to be leaders who raise new leaders, it's okay to empower and for things to not go perfectly all the time. Lay the net of grace for those that you're leading to, f- to fall forward, to fail forward. How do we do this? I think just kind of foundationally, we remind those that we're leading that all of our leadership is grounded on the mercy and the grace of Jesus. We don't deserve this great privilege, but we're being carried by his grace. And I really think this in part was Paul's encouragement to Timothy in chapter one. In verse 18, he says that he's giving Timothy his son, he's giving some him some instructions so that Timothy might continue to fight the good fight. And part of the instruction that he gives to Timothy there is that he reminds Timothy of his own testimony of being a recipient of God's mercy. Part of the way that Paul empowered Timothy to fight the good fight was for Paul to say, remember, this is my story. I'm a recipient of God's mercy. Listen to it again. We've read it a few times in this series, but listen to it again. This is really important in terms of failing and, and going and failing. 1 Timothy 1, 12 to 15. Paul reminds Timothy right in the middle of these instructions. He says, I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Paul's reminding Timothy, hey, when you go, remember, I want you to remember from my own testimony, remember this for your life, that leadership, like our identity isn't grounded on leadership success and failure, but it's actually grounded in the ultimate empowerment that we have, and that's the empowerment of the Lord himself saying, I am going to carry you by my mercy and by my grace. Your identity is in something bigger than specific success or failure. So then as leaders, we can empower, we can release and send and allow that goal to be discovered. Faith to activate, faith to empower, and finally, raising new leaders is an act of faith to persevere. I feel like I say it a lot, and I think, but I still think it's really true that discipleship happens at the speed of relationships, and it can't go any faster. And it's often bumpy. And because of all that, we need faith to persevere. If we are going to be leaders who raise new leaders, we need faith to persevere. Though it won't be perfect, those that we are leading, those that we are raising, they they do need to go. They need to spread their wings and then they need to fly the nest. 
and start new families. Gospel leaders raise new leaders who then go and lead healthy families. And so part of this then requires the faith to persevere in that sending, even when things are challenging or it's a little bit bumpy. But, but church, no one is ever fully ready. None of us are ever fully ready. Again, Paul, this is from Philippians 3. He says, I, even Paul says, I, I'm not saying I've arrived or I've achieved perfection. I haven't. But I'm going to keep pressing on towards that which Jesus called me to. Gospel leaders, we, we can't control outcomes or try to manipulate all situations. No, we need, to, we need to trust it all to the Holy Spirit. And that is our great hope that we get to do that. So how can we have the faith to persevere? How can we have the faith to send and release those that we're leading? Church, we need to leave it to the Spirit. Leave it to the Spirit. Trust it to the Holy Spirit because Ultimately, in a, in a bigger and greater way, this is what Jesus has done in sending us, all of us. I don't know if you've ever th thought this. I, I feel like I, I think it, I pray it a lot, very frequently. But I've often like just prayed, Lord, did you really think it was a good idea to entrust something so important as your church to us? Like sometimes I just wonder, you know, does it, does it make you anxious up there that you've given us this incredible privilege and call of being the church and glorifying your name and spreading your good news. And then you look down and like, ooh, I don't know. I feel like it would make me a tad anxious. And yet, and yet, before ascending into heaven, Jesus, after being raised from the dead, he breathed on the disciples. He gave us the Holy Spirit and he said, go be the church. And it was enough. It was more than enough. Even though, and I love this, to me, this scene is kind of comical. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but I find some comedy in it. Even though in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus is ascending back into heaven, and he's sending the disciples, go be the church, this is a beautiful moment, they're still asking questions that, that show that they don't quite get it. You know, like, he's on his way, he's leaving, now's not the time to be asking dumb questions. And they're like, Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I could just picture him being like, uh, I don't have any time left. Um, no, but what does he say? He says, guys, wait here. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You're doing something much bigger than just restoring the kingdom to Israel. Even on his way out, Jesus is like, I know you're going to mess this up. I know you're going to fall, but I'm giving you my spirit. Church, it's enough. It's more than enough. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is the head of the church. He is building his church and he's given us a spirit, which is more than enough. And so as we look to be leaders within this beautiful thing called the church, and as often we look around and go, man, I don't know if I can do this. Like This seems overwhelming. I don't know if I'm wise enough, strong enough, whatever enough. We need to remember this. As you raise up spiritual children and think, I don't even know if I'm a great parent, or maybe you're fearfully kind of releasing them into the world of spiritual adulthood yourself, will you do so with a deep care that expresses itself in an intentional prayer for them? Commit them to the hands of the Lord as you would your own biological children. 
Continue, like, intercede on their behalf. Pray for the Lord's protection of their heart, soul, mind, and character. Pray that they would know him deeper and deeper as they, lead, as they themselves lead and trust it to the Holy Spirit. Trust them to the work of God's Spirit. Let me close with this reminder from Paul to Timothy. Uh, I love it so much. He's reminding Timothy of what Timothy had witnessed in Paul's life, you know, what he's been taught. And he reminds Timothy, here's where your strength is going to come from. 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 16. Paul says, but you, Timothy, you, you followed my teaching. You followed my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love and endurance. You, you've seen it all. Along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured And yet, the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in in Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people, imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom and salvation for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith to persevere, church, by leaving it to the Spirit. It was the Lord, Paul says, the Lord who rescued me from the Lord, from them all, the Lord who strengthened me for it all. Faith to persevere as we send out those that we have raised up, entrusting them, committing them to the Spirit. Gospel leadership, man, it's been a journey. Jesus is building his church. And he's chosen us. He's chosen us. He wants to build his church to glorify his name through us. And so church, as we think about now continuing to be leaders who rely on his grace and see ourselves as spiritual parents steering the family, can we remember this this last call to, to then be leaders who raise new leaders? Why? For his glory for his name. This is you. This is me. Ordinary believers because of Jesus' grace and his power and because we are recipients of his mercy. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that um, you've placed such an incredible call on our lives to know you and to help others know you. Lord, I pray that, that our understanding of what it means to lead and our joy in it um, would come from a place of just gratitude for who you are and what you've done. Lord, I pray that day after day, week after week, we would not try to run in our own strength. But this, this call to be gospel leaders would, in fact, drive us deeper into relying on you. Lord, I pray that each one... Uh, in our church family would, would hear this, this call, this special privilege, that because we know you, we are sent. Because we know you, we are leaders. I pray that you would continue to fan into flame a desire to grow in our leadership, the courage to steer others towards truth. Help us see the joy of raising other people to go and lead and to, to, to glorify you in the process. Lord, I thank you that you've entrusted us with this special privilege of being the church. You've given us your spirit. 
I pray that as we lead, Lord, we would, we would honor you. I pray that you would protect our leadership, protect our characters, help us to grow deeper in love for one another and deeper reliance on you. Jesus, thank you for the ways you've spoken to this, to this series, and I pray that as we continue to process that, God, you would just ground it more and more, ground our identities more and more in who you've called us to be and who we are in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, as you uh, wrap up in your simple church families, here's a, we'll put a question on the screen. The question to discuss is really simply this. Do you see yourself as a leader who can raise new leaders? Thanks so much, guys. We will see you Thursday night for the webcast. And then again, Friday night, 7.30 p.m. for Good Friday. It's going to be amazing. Be blessed.